0: Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go
1: on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know. Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you were on your way to say. <laughs> episode 36 with John Langan uh, we just finished recording uh, John Langen is a police officer he's a sergeant in the Canadian military and a traditional knowledge keeper yeah fantastic podcast um, he's an author as well and that's one of the reasons we had him on the podcast so he had a really powerful book come out a couple months ago uh, I've read about half of it um, I gotta I got to get through the rest it's a fantastic book super powerful uh, what are your thoughts on the podcast overall? Super nice guy. He has some crazy stories. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So Yeah. All right. So, hope you enjoy episode 36 with John Langan. So, this is the first time you two met, right? Yeah. yeah. I've never met you before. Yeah. And, John, I met you at the 6 a.m. class, I yeah. think, like, a few yeah. times. Not, yeah. Not too yeah. much. Not too much, no. I, no. I first heard about you through uh, Dwayne Peters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, when we yeah. first started the podcast, he yeah. was, like, saying, like, you should have this guy on. And that was a time where we didn't really, we weren't sure if we wanted guests on quite yet. So we're like, yeah. let's just figure this out ourselves. We'll do a few. And then once we started, kind of made the decision to have a guest on, I reached out to Dwayne. I'm like, hey, okay, give me that John guy's number. I want to have yeah. him on again or have him on. So yeah. yeah, we're excited to have you on. You're our second guest. So yeah. this is number this two. Is nice. To yeah, man, Thank nice you coming. yeah, we appreciate yeah. you coming on. Yeah. Um, what's it been like uh, having a book out? Is it a little bit, because uh, I know Ryan and I. When you do a podcast, you really put yourself out there, and sometimes you can feel like a little bit vulnerable. Almost like it's almost like a scary feeling, but also really exciting. What's it been like having a book out?
2: Uh, it's weird because you you have people who get to know you, and you don't really meet them, eh? Mm. So 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 that's the scary thing. But that, that's just one thing I was always taught. It's just in everything I do in my life, I try to do it with honesty. You know, that way, if you do things honestly, then you don't have to remember if you caught yourself in a lie or anything like that and then even with work and stuff you know i it's one of my faults I guess it's just it's a weakness of mine It's just being too honest with everything Mm. that I do eh? like I'm just too honest with everything I do Mm. but the benefit is you know like I have people reaching out to me and they're telling me how it changed their life and things they're doing, and they want to meet up. And you know, I'm like, well, oh, it's kind of too much for me at once. Right. Yeah, but no, it's been an awesome experience with this. And cool. I just once I put my mind to
1: something, I don't stop until it's done. Yeah. Yeah, you did a fantastic job. <laughs> like uh, the, the the even before opening the book, I, I went to McNally Robinson. I messaged you the other week, and I was yeah. like, where Where is a good place to get it? So I went there. Yeah. And I was looking for it and then I ended up just asking for help and they showed me the book and I saw the cover and I'm like, oh this is cool. Like right away. <laughs> is it just looked re- I, I love how you kinda have the the one side is like the, the police, the military, and then the middle you kinda have your yeah, indigenous you know background. Yeah. yeah, just really cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought you knocked yeah. it out of the
0: park. So let me try to I wrote this down. I'm probably gonna butcher this, yeah. but I'm gonna attempt to say it. Yeah. Iskosis tipiskak? Is chase like is go and chase
2: tip. Isco Chase Tipiskak. Yeah, it's yeah. named after my son.
1: Okay. Oh, no way. Yeah.
2: So his native name is Iscoches, which means like a little fire, but a little spark. So that's how we actually found out his gender, because he got named in the belly. Eh? So, when I, so when he got his name in the ceremony, I was like, little fire? Well, not too many girls are named little fire. So that's how we found out he was a boy. So he has a quick temper, and he said he's going to be very quick-tempered. But my son today, he's he's like that. Like uh, <laughs> I was laughing because he was. Uh, he was cause I was talking about bullies uh, because I was talking about bullies with him eh? and yeah. In one of his journals, where he's like, I do not like bullies, and he always sticks up for people who are quiet, and he doesn't like bullies. He's like. I want to take him in a helicopter and drop him off into like a pit of spikes. <laughs> <laughs> pretty savage. The, yeah, the young imagination is so yeah. extreme, yeah,
1: right? yeah. Yeah, but, awesome. uh,
2: No, he's just awesome. He's just like, <sighs> so it was named after him because my first title was um, "Braziliancy," my nose above water, but that word was being used way too much. Mm-hmm. So I said, what can I do to utilize the language at the same time and have a good memory of what I named it after. So I remember just looking up my son and I was laying in bed and I was like, what should I name the book? And he, I, had, I don't know. And then I just sat there and kind of meditated, I guess. And yeah, hey, and that's what came to mind right away.
0: That's pretty cool for him down the road,
2: hey? Like yeah. When he's yeah. older and he's like, Damn. Yeah, yeah. Because in there, I kind of, that's what this book was just mainly for at the beginning. It was just for my kids first just in case anything happens to me with my jobs. like They have that to be like, okay, this is the history of our family. Mm. This is where we come from. This is what I gotta do if I gotta go to a ceremony. These are all the things that my dad left behind for me, but I got coached by Kendall Netmaker, who was like a top 40 under 40 for a business person in Canada. And he just, he said, usually he charges people for the things he does, but me and him just became friends. And he's like, just promise you one thing, John. I was like, yeah make this as big as you can. Mm. I was like, okay. And after that, I just kept going, kept going. Cause I got started last November and I wrote the story in like two weeks. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> flooding out of you. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'll do presentations all the time with the, the police, with the army. And then people will come up to me afterwards, giving me hugs and you know, telling me all these things. They're like, you should write a book about this. Mm. no no I don't like writing like I don't like reading books unless I'm forced to right like in high school and university like if I had to I'd read it and if something (laughs) really caught my attention then I would read it right so that's what I had in my head right away and there's a whole story like there's lots in there there's a lot of lot of powerful teachings in that book and just how I got started is you know it was this one video I saw on the Saskatchewan Indian Cultural Center website and this lady was talking and she passed away. And uh, I found out I was related to her. She was from my reserve, but in that video, it talks about it's gonna be so pitiful in the future yeah, because you're gonna have a generation of people who don't have a language, who don't have a culture, who don't have a spirituality. And she said, something needs to be done now, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year, now. And uh, me and my wife were going up to Thanksgiving uh, and at, at her family's up north. And I looked over and I said, I'm going to write a book. Hmm. And then she looked back at me and she was like, I know since you
1: said that, you're going to do it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's I, I heard something once. It was like there's there's three ways to leave a legacy behind. Have yeah. a child, plant a tree, or write a book. Mm-hmm. And so those are things that will live long after you die. So even yeah. if you pass now, you have like a journal or a diary yeah. for your family and other people to learn and grow from. So it's really cool. Yeah. So based off your
0: experience and, you know, seeing that there's troubled youth and just people saying you should write a book, did you just kinda of like feel this personal responsibility that like, I need
2: to I need to do this? Is that kind of what sparked it for you? Yeah, it's just that little spark, eh, like that's you know, I always refer back to yeah. it. But it's just that spark when I got beginning, I'm like, okay, once it evolved from my kids and I started to think about the young people, then as I and there's more stories in there about people even my age who don't even know their culture, their spirituality, or, or who they are really, eh? So I was like, then evolved into that, and then it evolved into other workplaces that don't know much about Indigenous people, even though we're here around them, and then it evolved into more like old people, even like mm-hmm. to, to help them, you know. And then I was just like, wow, well, this is really needed. Yeah. So I, then, so then I felt that, eh, because the majority of our teachings are not written down in books. So before I even got started with this, I went to a ceremony. You uh like I know I'm kind of speaking way beyond but that book kind of explains everything but uh in our, in our ceremonies we we have spirits that come in and I know that's way way out there when I say it, eh? We're going deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going deep. Yeah. So they come right in and they tell us everything we need to know. Even but back in the day it was used like for hunting, it was used to help out uh, people who were sick, anything like that, any any kind of guidance to like oh this is where you're gonna go, this is where where the animals are gonna be going, so then our people would be nomadic and they would move, eh? But now with this you you have everybody who goes through all these problems with drugs, alcohol, anything they need in guidance. So when I went to the ceremony, I said, this is what I want to do, but I want to make sure I do it in the right way. Because I had to be very careful on how I word things, but I got told from them, they just said, write what's in your mind, grandchild. And I was like, okay. Because they're called grandfathers and grandmothers. Right? They're basically like angels.
1: The, um, you're saying the spirits,
2: yeah, the spirits yeah, are yeah, called, yeah, yeah, Yeah. Okay. Those are the ones that walk with us and look mm-hmm. after us. I could speak for days about spirituality because mm-hmm. I've been doing it since I was a kid eh? so and now my son he's learning so much as well and you know he's
1: he's going to go way further to meet that kid well Thank that you, you, know. you kind of answered one of my questions but like I, I was wondering like you know I'm, I'm about halfway through your book mm-hmm. But, you know, you think about like the Bhagavad Gita, the, the Bible, the Quran, like a lot of these religions will yeah. have these texts or these yeah. books that you read, like that ancient wisdom or whatever you want to call it. And I was wondering, yeah. like, where, like you said, it wasn't really written down. So is it just passed down through story or yeah. is it the spirits telling you or like the elders?
2: N- nothing in our culture will ever be lost because like what i was saying before with those ones that kind of teach us there's that way too because you have a traditional outer then you have a spiritual outer traditional ones are with life experience and everything that you go through so they have that old age and that knowledge And when you have spiritual elders they're the ones who kind of take advice from from these spirits that come and talk to us and they give us good advice and i know what goes through people's head right away you know because uh you know it's like um uh, it's like oh you're uh, talking to the devil and all that eh? mm. Um me what I say because I was always taught to respect what everybody does no matter what no way is the right way I don't it, it doesn't matter if you believe in the flying spaghetti monster or anything like that <laughs> 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 uh, it, it's as long as you model yourself off as something that's greater than yourself mm. some people say they don't believe in anything some people believe in money some people believe in all these different kinds of things but you know all these things that are taught to us, it's all passed down through oral oral tradition. Mm. So when I started writing everything down, I was very careful in how I worded things because there are some things that are meant to be s- sacred and kind of experienced in person. And there's some things, you know, that I can speak about because it's uh, it broken down into two parts. First part mm. is my life and how I got to where I am now. And then part two is like a manual for a young person oh, yeah. or anybody who wants to attend a ceremony. This is the kind of stuff that happens in Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. So okay, so this is what I need to do. This is how I present myself. This is how I approach an old person. This is how I gain knowledge, you know. So I put, cause you can help people, but you gotta have an out for them on how to do it. You right. can help people as much as you want. So I put everything in there. This is who you're gonna go to. If all else fails, come to me. And I'll point you in the right direction, Right. you know, and you know, that's one thing with the cover there and I know it's there, but I want to be known as John Langan. That's who I want to be known as. I want to be known as a proud father, a proud husband, keeper of our ceremonies. And when with, with the army, I'm a sergeant as that's Sergeant Langan. And with the assassin mm-hmm. police service, and Constable Langan. Those things are just jobs. That's mm-hmm. all they are. I'm easily replaceable within a month, right. you know, so what matters the most is my family. You know, in my wife, those are the things that I mean the mm-hmm. most to me in my cultural
1: identity of who I am. That's what kept me grounded through my whole life. It's a powerful story, man. And one of the things, like, as I was reading it, I was thinking in my head, like, you always think that these stories only happen to people over there. Yeah. Wherever there is. Like, it's like, I, I would only hear that on like a Rogan podcast. Like yeah. that, that wouldn't happen around here. Yeah. And as I'm reading it, like you're hearing, you know, places like Yorkton and some of the reserves up North. And yeah. And it's like, it's very close to home. Yeah. Shit. yeah. Like yeah. if it's happened to you, I'm sure it happens to a lot of people. Yes. There's probably a lot of people that are, that are suffering at a young age and going through hell. Yeah. Like your story was like, Ter- like it's really scary. I got emotional a few times like oh yeah. people that have listened to podcasts a few times they know <laughs> I cry sometimes in books and yeah, yeah I shed a tear a few yeah. times and, yeah. and not even just sometimes because the the sadness or the trauma that you went through but sometimes when it was like whether it was one of your brothers or like maybe your uh cook them say yeah remember, yeah the yeah, adopted yeah. grandmother yeah like yeah. if she would like kind of um help you in certain ways I just yeah. felt like emotional and then. Which I want to get into some of your, the power of forgiveness that you were expressing in yeah. the book of some of the things that yeah. you went yeah. through that at the end of the chapter, at the end of the the paragraph, it would be like, for those of you listening that, that, you know, maybe did this to me, I'm sure you were going through a lot of hell yourself yeah. and I forgive you and I hope the best for you. And I'm yeah. like, oh, you're a better man than me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, like,
2: so that's one thing you'll see with me. Um with indigenous people, we we use laughter a lot, it, laughter to heal through things. Mm. When I go through stress, I'm always laughing eh? uh, and even with those words that I said in there, like I ran into some, some some other people who were doing a story on it, and they didn't agree with the, like how I worded that eh? and I'm just like. And it, in the back of my mind, I was like, you write your own book. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can't please everybody. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people yeah, like yeah. criticize the podcast or oh, something. are yeah. like, Hey, sit down with a mic and talk <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'll sit there and scorecard you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But this is a bit of an interesting dynamic because this is the first time I met you and I actually haven't read this book. Yeah. So he might know some of these stories, but yeah, this is all kind of new to me. So it's interesting.
1: With, yeah. with, with that being said, um, and I don't know if you're comfortable with this. You said you're kind of an open book, yeah, pun point, intended. Yeah. But, um, i would like because the book seemed to have started when you were really young yeah with your biological father yeah yeah, yeah. would yeah. you mind kind of just talking about him and yeah what yeah. your what your thoughts what your memories are with him and just yeah. kind of share a little bit of that background
2: yeah so before i go any further that's one thing if anybody ever thinks about writing a memoir or uh, anything like that get away from i don't always just speak about yourself so you always got to start with your family's history and how you came to be. So that was a hard part was talking to my mother, talking to my brothers, talking to them, you know, reopening all these old wounds. So the number one thing was my father. And eh? like, I'll just say, like, like, I tried hard to find good things about him. Tried my best. Like, I would talk to his old lovers. I would talk to his brothers. Like, for my uncles on my father's side, I
1: couldn't find much. You couldn't find one good positive
2: thing? About I your... like what I put in the book was just like he was good with his hands. He was, you know, he was he was a funny guy. But as I dug deeper and I found people who grew up with him, you know, I found more horrible things and horrible. Like I didn't even want to put in the book how horrible it was. But, you know, I only have one memory of him and that's it. And is when he is when he gave me porridge. I'm pretty sure it was him you know as i ran it through with my mother i was like this is how the walls looked you know and uh like she was super surprised i remember that far back eh? like even a mayor of saskatoon he's like how do you remember all these things i said i have this theory i said that trauma kind of makes you remember things i said because with my boy i said i took him to disney world two two years ago three years ago he does not remember much <laughs> i said it's like you need trauma to remember mm-hmm. so going through those things at a young age like it just it was hard because I almost witnessed my father committing suicide mm-hmm. and even doing this book I, I found out he I attempted like three times in front of us and on a fourth time he finally did it and then my brother chad who, who who's the middle child he witnessed it happened. And he was playing a game, like my father was playing a game with him, eh? like, hey, do you want this cookie if you push his chair away, you know, like, I'll just like, I can't imagine what wow. my brother Chad went through, eh? like, and then he said he watched him and he said it felt like he was there for half an hour,
1: but that's such a traumatic event, he was only there for about 30 seconds. So your father was was uh, like a, had the noose around his yeah, neck, standing yeah, on yeah. a chair, and he yeah, offered your, yeah. your brother, super young at the time, yeah, a cookie yeah, if yeah. he would kick the chair from yeah, under your yeah, dad. yeah 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 holy
2: yeah. shit. So you can imagine just asking my brother to say to relive it, and he's just. <sighs> and then asking my brother Ryan because I'm 33, and then my brother Hank's 34, Chad's 35, so we're like three years, and then mm. and then my brothers there's about a five year gap. So, my oldest brother, Ryan, I'm just like, how the heck did he, like, he's the unsung hero of my childhood. Like, I've been abducted. I, like, all the things that happened with me with these girls, you know, and, and like I'm just like, if my brother wasn't around, I'd probably be dead right now. Like, I almost got abducted by a well-known pervert in Yorkton as well. Like Yeah, Harry, uh, <laughs> what was the... Hairy, uh, dirty Harry? Yeah, dirty Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, e- even when I dropped the books off at the Yorkton Parkland Mall, they're like, we had I remember that name like those those um those people at the bookstore and then even other people from around that area I remember that person like everybody knew who this person was eh and I was just like man like I would have easily just got taken away by this guy because uh like this is a time the Super Nintendo came out in the super scope and uh we we probably lived about three kilometers away from from the Parkland Mall, and we always used to walk back and forth. But at the time, I was only like four or five, and me and my brother Hank walked there because my cuckoo fell asleep, and we're like, oh, "Okay, let's go there," because we knew Zellers had the Super Nintendo to play. Eh? And,
1: mm, but that was...
2: back when they had Zellers. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So, so there's chaos, but like when you're a kid, like it's it's way up there. eh Yeah,
1: so, I remember I those little pl- those stations where you could just come and play <laughs> yeah. free games for yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
2: yeah, and then dirty Harry spotted me and my brother, and put us in his cart. And <laughs> now that I look back on it, eh, like I was just like, man, this guy was just like, you know, just like, I have this game at home, you guys. I have puppies, you wow. know, candy at my house. Wow. Eh? <laughs> yeah. And then me, I was looking at my brother, I was like, Hank, he has this and he has puppies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, do you know what's funny? I was
0: uh, with my family this yeah. weekend and my nephew, he's five years old mm-hmm. and he told his mom, he's like, mom, if somebody ever tried, you know, if, uh, whatever whatever you call them tried to pick me up and he had skittles i would have to go with him yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's just the mind of a five-year-old right yeah like, can yeah. video games yeah, let's go yeah, now, yeah
2: period and that was a huge thing eh? and but my brother ryan he just knew how i was eh? I was a little video game freak back in the day and he just thought he's like where can he be i know where he is and right away he knew because the mm. we were saying people were looking for me and my mom came home finally and Breaking down and wondering where I am, and my brother knew exactly. He just took a beeline because he knew exactly where I was, and in the, the RCMP were going everywhere else. And then once I saw my brother find found me, I saw him come down to Chipayo. It's like a vivid memory. He's like, go, oh my brothers!" And then, but I remember I was talking to my brother Hank. I said, "Do you remember we went outside?" And then we're in the cart, and then he turned around and went back in. He doesn't remember that part, eh? But I, but, but I remember that. It's kind of like probably his like his spider sense was tingling or something, and he and, and he went back in, eh? And like if he didn't go back in, he would have got loaded up into a station wagon. And he had all of his doors bolted. This is the stories that went around. He had all of his doors bolted shut except for his, and he had Holy his back shit. windows spray painted black. And he had big thick buddy holly glasses, kind of like bubbles i guess but oh yeah uh, <laughs> what happened to this guy is he uh as far i asked my mom I was like what happened to this guy and i remember my brother Tyrone talking to me saying that when he went to court like um, all these parents were spitting on him and he tried to go in there on a wheelchair okay. and then and then uh then a the judge said stand up perry you don't need a wheelchair you
1: know so i don't know what happened to him after that hmm. uh, but uh so he was you guys were in his cart because he, you you needed to get higher up to play mm-hmm. the game so he's yeah. like, oh here hop on my shopping yeah. cart yeah. and like yeah. i got puppies you can play this at back in <laughs> yeah, my place yeah, yeah and yes, so he, wow. and he and then he strolled you out of the, mm-hmm. the shopping center on on his cart yeah and yeah. then he was about to put you in the vehicle and then your yeah. brother went back my brother knew concurrently where we were
2: because you knew i was a little video game freak eh? yeah so he knew where we were exactly because he's a big brother yeah he was always protecting me always like mm. times like to me this is a common story between of indigenous people who grow up even right now and that's the thing I, I find myself on a platform where I can share these stories and you know like uh, like another story in there there was because whenever you go on reserves there's always nicknames of the old generation so, uh, so I had this family, and one was named Porridge, and the other was Sugar, because we were known as Porridge and Sugar, because hmm. the uh, Porridge looked like the Quaker man, old guy, and uh, <laughs> 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 so we were there. But uh, my mom dropped us off because she wanted to go and drink. But they ended up drinking the people who were watching us, and then uh, Porridge, yeah, I guess, he got really violent and he got drunk, and he ended up taking a But I toned it down in her a lot. Like, because I had to make sure that young people can read it, eh? But, uh, like, he goes, I remember he had a big kitchen knife and he just cut off her bra and cut off her underwear. And, and then we were watching the saw, eh? And then, then my brother Town, he always had this humor, eh? And he's like, I just remember him grabbing, like, right on her, like, private areas and he just get, lifted her up and he could and then He said, you, you know, stuff going on. <laughs> you know, at the time we laughed. Right. And even with my editor, he was like, John, that's not a funny story but me and my brothers laugh at that eh? just because after that happened my brother ryan was like what the heck do i do so he just gathered us up left and he didn't even know so he's like i just wanted to make sure you guys were safe that's it that's all i knew what to do i was like okay this isn't right what's going on what do i do you know and there's so many instances where that happened i had to pick and choose for the stories that i wanted eh? mm-hmm. and then even getting thrown into foster care eh? like i was going around and it was the middle of winter and i was wearing rubber boots I, we call them gumboots down south. And, uh, and then we were, I was hungry, I guess, and cold, and I was going door to door. And all of a sudden, Child and Family Services got called an RCMP, and then I got put into, um, then I got put into foster care for about three weeks. You know, and then, then my brother Ryan, you know, I had to make him relive it, because he was just bawling his eyes out, and he was trying to wonder why the my mom didn't want to come get us here. Eh? And you know, I found out that myself, I'm part of the Sixties Scoop, I found out way later, um, so I would, so the cutoff was like 1993 around that area, but this happened around 92, 93 and you know, I found out I was part of the Sixties Scoop and, and you know, we got placed into foster care and you know, but we weren't in there for long, my
1: mom kind of gave her head a shake and mm. then she got herself out straight away in Yorkton, yeah. That seems like a common thing for a lot of people that have like been through a lot of trauma. Like I've, I've heard a lot of like military guys mm-hmm. on, on podcasts who like, they'll laugh at shit that the yeah. normal person is like, what are you laughing at? But like, I think that's how <laughs> yeah. they cope with a yeah. lot of it, eh? Like yeah. a lot of like, they seen a lot of death, a lot of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They're, like, paramedics. Yeah, paramedics, yeah, police yeah, officers, yeah. anybody that's experienced, like, an, or seen, like, these near-death experiences or death, like, I feel like that, that laughing response is sometimes the, a good coping mechanism yeah. to, yeah, to yeah. deal with that a little bit. I, a, I got a question for you yeah. with with your biological father. Like, there was, um like, there was some wild stories in there. Like, you know, obviously, he was, he was a pretty big alcoholic. He drank yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of drugs. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the drugs that he used? Was, um...
2: From what my mom, like, I, th- I initially thought it was just alcohol. And then as I dug more and found out more, you know, I, I found out he was getting addicted to prescription drugs. He was doing drugs intravenously. And, like, I, I don't know if it was hydromorph or anything mm-hmm. like that. But on my home reserve, that's a big problem. Eh? Right. It actually got to the point where it made media attention. Like, mm. this, even as I released this book, I was talking to this paramedic who's now a constable. He's like, my dad was the officer that got that doctor finally like his medical license got taken away to practice it. Eh? Cause you would just have people come in, oh I have pain, you give him hydromorphine. It was just like a huge lineup in Kamsack So is that morphine? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's okay. called hydromorphine, and the name is di- uh, Dilaudid. And it's, oh, just okay, like, yeah. it's just like it's just
1: like poor man's heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Dilated. That's you mentioned the Wolf of Wall Street. Is, yeah,
2: yeah. Is that, yeah. Is no, is that that's like, that's that's the Karis oh, Proto, so that's Qua. Summa, yeah, so Qualudes in oh. the States, but it comes from the same family carisprodo. Oh. It's Summa, it's called it's like a huge muscle relaxant uh. and uh Yeah, so that's finally away from Canada. That's oh, that okay. that's not sold any like the whole time Even as I was going through that like I was just praying constantly. I say like, can this go away, please right. I'm tired of babysitting people on these pills, you know, and that whole time as I was taking care of people it was just, just like babies, like for for the people who don't understand listening. It's just imagine if I was to walk from here to there, to them getting from there to there without falling is like the greatest accomplishment of mankind. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was me just babysitting these people constantly, and it was my uncles, it was my brothers, my two oldest brothers, my parents, anybody who came over. Like I just watched them, and I and I'd be in the basement like this, day, and then I'll hear like boom. Oh! Oh, and then I spring into action right away and I go up and make sure they're okay. And my biggest fear was stairs and, mm. you know, like I just well, constantly
1: on edge. Yeah. And, that, and that was the crazy thing was like I, I pictured like my childhood. Yeah. And then I was picturing like me being seven or eight years old babysitting my parents because they were so messed up on drugs or drunk yeah. and like these random strangers at your house that yeah. you're having to like put, tuck them in for bed or like get them a drink of water <laughs> yeah, or help yeah. them puke or whatever use a like you're like so that. young being an adult like you're, yeah. you're, you're you have to grow up so quickly yeah and yeah. there was one other story that was pretty pretty intense but like your i think it was your your biological father um like, he would pull scissors and, like, threaten to stab your mom. Yeah. But there was one point where he actually broke your mother's jaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he was a very abusive, like, violent person. Very abusive.
2: And, you know, I I had to open that story up with my mommy. Like, because inside of me, I always had that little, oh, well, maybe he was a horrible lover and a good person if mm. you got to know him. But the more I opened up, I'm like, man. My mom said, honest to God, she's like, if he was still alive, your boys probably would have killed him
1: right yeah because wow. it got to the
2: point where like she would just my father would come home stressed out and you my mom would be sleeping and you'll just just crack her out of nowhere yeah, yeah that's insane yeah and then even when it came to her getting her jaw <laughs> broken like she, she didn't even understand why like i i think you know i had to be careful when i would ask her like i didn't want to get too deep with it right but no like she got her jaw broken and that was a moment where she was just like no enough is enough it's actually to her, it was a spiritual experience because she heard a big voice. It was like, enough is enough, my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you ever heard the term hurt people hurt people? <laughs> I just recently learned that about um, two two months ago. Yeah.
0: So your dad must have had a pretty wild yeah. upbringing yeah. too, hey? Yeah,
2: Yeah. That's what I always try to think, eh? like, even to this day, I still use that. I, I just gave that advice to my niece who, who called me and I said, hurt people, hurt people, Mm. you know, and then she's like, it kind of took a while for it to sink in with her. But, you know, that totally makes sense. That's what I always think about it. Like, even when I forgave those girls, I don't know what they've been through. Right. I don't know what their experiences are. Maybe something happened to them. I don't know. Right. You know, and it's the same thing with me, you know, like I've been through stuff, but you know, I had, writing this was just like very therapeutic.
1: Mm.
2: You know, because uh, because yeah. my editor, he's from Arizona, and he specialized in this kind of stuff there. Eh? And with my raw copy or my rough copy, there, he's like, "John, put us in your shoes." You know, and he said, "Don't worry." Like as as we spoke, he would just be like, "Wow, like how are you not nuts right now?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, yeah. Good question: I was going to
0: ask you that, like with with that kind of trauma growing up, it's like. You know, I think we all have, there's a spectrum of good and evil in all of us, yeah, and you yeah. just have choices to make. Yeah. And it's like, it, it shows a lot about your character to choose the good path and yeah. choose to be something and have a family when you went through all that stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, what was it that kept you walking towards the light instead of taking a dark path?
2: I don't know. Like, you'll have to read it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No, I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I think it was just how... Spiritual, my family was just leaning on that, and something that just happened very recently probably six days ago. Uh, I've, oh, I've just been going through a lot with life, like everybody else does. But me and my wife always wanted to go see a psychic, we always did. Mm. And uh, we're, we're cruising on 20th and saw this little store, it's called the Twig and Squirrel. And this had a little chalkboard piece i just said psychic. And I'm like, oh, cool, whatever, I'll give it a call. And it was like 210. And I called him, I, and I didn't give this guy my name, nothing. I, he had no way of researching me or anything. He's like, 2.30? I was like, sure. But then I got here by two 2.20. And he had a little cane, and he had a bunch of rings on, gold rings, a bunch of necklaces. And he was a gypsy. And he's not going to be in Saskatoon very long. But he's like, before we start, he's like, just know I'm going to be very blunt. I only charge this much. He charges very little. He's like, because the information I'm going to give you, it's up to you what you want to do with it. I was like, okay. When he got in there, my wife is beside me, eh? and I had my skepticism in eh? Like I'll just say, like, "Oh, whatever," we're not gonna tell this guy one thing. Yeah, lost your father, to suicide. Eh, and uh, she's like, "If I go too far, just just let me know." And like, and I was just like, "No, no, no, no." I said, "Yeah," and then I'll go into the stories, exactly how we're talking. And you had many, your mom tried to get you many dads, but you only called one person a dad. And this guy really changed your life, and he guided and you through all like, said, "Man." And it's like he read this book without without knowing anything. And I still have to go back to him and go give him a book. Be like, hey man, this is all spot on. You he's probably like 85% spot on with everything. Wow. Like he's like, you quit drinking. He said, but you did it in a way that's unique to you. You didn't do AA, you didn't you didn't do all of this stuff, and and uh he's like, but it worked for you, only for you. And then <laughs> like he had a big stack by the time we're done. And he's like I'm not going to call you a social worker, I'm not going to call you a counselor, but you help people. And then he's like, My cell phones with the New Orleans Police Department for 10 years. I have a feeling you do something just, just like that, correct me from wrong. And i was just say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't Hello. like, I'm a cause. And then, you know, and then I have a feeling if there's a war tomorrow, you would go just to escape from everything have you served? And I said, like, wow. <laughs> he just knew everything. Eh? And, like, and and then he would ask me, It was like, do you abuse your wife? And I was like, and I looked over at my wife. He's like, don't do that. That's called deflection. And that's when I was like, yes. And and I and I knew what he was getting at day because he's like, it's not, it's emotional abuse. He said, that's much more worse than physical. Mm. You know, and I was just like, you know, he's, he's right. And then it made me realize what, what I've been communicating all along. That's all that matters is your family. That's all that matters is your kids. That's all that matters in this life. Just jobs we have and all that, eh? He's like, you've been taking stuff home from your job. And you're having an affair. <laughs> you know, you just kind of kept the suspense going, eh? He's like, I would tell you guys right off the bat if you guys are being unfaithful to each other. But you guys are, you guys love each other very much. But I'm going to tell you, he was talking to my wife. He's like, he's having an affair. He was with- saying this about you. Yeah, yeah, like right in front of my wife, eh? You're
1: having an affair with your job. And so are you, and you always looking at my wife. Hey, eh? you have an affair with your job. So does that mean that you're t- you're more passionate about your job mm-hmm. and more involved in your yeah, job yeah, than, yeah, your, yeah, than your yeah, wife? Yeah. 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 Oh wow. Yeah. So it just kind of made me take a step back. Like even though whatever.
2: People can have their views of a psychic and all that, eh? But this guy just laid everything out.
1: Mm. I thought he was calling you out, saying that you were having a, like, a legit affair. Yeah. I'm like, this motherfucker, I'm like, that's not true. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Imagine if it wasn't true, but he's like, no, like, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one feels strong. Yeah. Like, your yeah. wife's like, yeah.
2: then, yeah, he was spot on, and then I just spread that guy's name, eh? And like, people are just going to him now, eh? Oh and he's just good and I was like man like when I left my mind was just blown because at the end of the day it made me think of my mental health and I was kind of talking to you about it before I'm trying to make it a standard for the army for troops coming up for police too. when when new recruits come like mental health is a very huge thing and it's real yeah so you know I'm trying to be proactive with my wife and myself myself getting the help because I still got to talk about stuff that happened in here That's what I come to realize, eh? And in light of everything with all the residential schools and unmarked graves and all that, this timed out just right Mm because it shows that intergenerational effects of it. So as I was looking for that mental health help, I was like, do you have anybody who specializes in intergenerational trauma? then they gave me a name, but I was related to this person, eh? Because I was looking for an Indigenous person. I was like, oh, no, no, that one's a conflict. I said, sorry. Mm -hmm. So so I just kind of put myself with a random person. But that's what I'm going to talk about is all this stuff here, eh? Because, yes,
1: I wrote it down, but there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. A lot to, like... (laughs) like unveil or like yeah mm-hmm. to kind of dissect and break yeah, it down yeah it's one thing to put it i feel like that's such a fantastic step to put it out there now it's yeah. out there and now you're probably like reflecting on it being like oh maybe i didn't quite deal with that trauma yeah there's yeah. probably a lot of trauma that, yeah. you, that you shared in there so yeah it's so deep like writing it is one thing but it's
0: probably going to take more talking about it and like getting it out of you to really,
1: yeah. yeah, And I think men struggle in general, like, like overall, I think men are really good at just stuffing those emotions down and not talking about their mental health. And so when a guy like you, who is a police officer and it was in the military, who has kind of that, you know, that manly thing where people will respect a little bit more, it'd be one thing if it was like a a male who was a librarian, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have the same impact, especially with some of the troubled youth. So yeah. because of your upbringing and the trauma you have and your career path, I feel like you're like the perfect kind of person to talk about this yeah and, yeah. and not be and be respected while you talk about it
2: yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's a huge thing because one thing I told my wife even just yesterday, you know I have my little medicine meal that I talk about I talk about physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, physical I have to work out you know, or else I feel auto whack mental. I kinda just paired it with my wife, like with emotional, like I talk to my wife, you know. But no, there's a lot of things out there, there's a lot of resources out there. Emotional, I lean on my wife, spiritual, I go to ceremonies. Those things have to stay in balance or else I get out of whack if if, if I don't go to ceremony if I if, if if I don't go to a sweat lodge or if I don't go help at a horse dance, then I get totally out of whack. If I don't smudge, if I don't smoke my pipe, those things. I have to do those things. And emotional I lean on my wife, you know. Mm. And then mental, I kind of just kind of skimmed over and said, oh, I kind of lean on my wife, you know. But now now I'm starting to realize, no, no, like you have to talk to somebody who doesn't have a bias about you or doesn't know anything about you and is confidential. And, you know, I'm even teaching myself stuff right now because I was talking to some people. I'm like, the process needs to change because first it's reaching out to a person you trust and talking to them about it. And then they'll kind of give you that information, you know, and then you finally reach out to these psychologists, therapists, social workers. But then that process is kind of horrible right now. Eh? And I'm just like, holy cow. Like, I got off with the government of Saskatchewan yesterday and I was just like, uh, you called the wrong line. And uh, if you feel suicidal at any time, call 911. I'm going to transfer your call right now. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. and I was just like. Okay. <laughs>
1: you know so like it's horrible in the sense that it just doesn't seem like they care. It's not that yeah, easy yeah, to just yeah, talk yeah, to somebody.
2: Yeah. It's that first step that's very crucial is just reaching out to a person that you trust
1: mm. to tell these kind of things. Eh? So so that's another thing there. Yeah. Be, uh, there's a few things. I got a lot to talk yeah, about. But yeah. there is one thing I just before we move on from your biological father. Um, yeah, again get the book for anybody listening to this. It, it <laughs> is phenomenal. Like we're just scratching the surface. The book dives deep and shares a lot of powerful stories. But, um, you know, just speaking on like a lot of the forgiveness and stuff, like if you were to, you know, your your biological father committed suicide. If you were to sit down with him on a bench right now, if you were to come back to life, what do you, how do you think that conversation would go?
2: Oh, just, you know, even in my book, I kind of talk about my fast I go on, which is a really intimate thing that's never put down on paper mm. that's towards the end so mm. but um, you know like oh just talk to him and you know let him know right off the bat that I forgive him that I hold nothing against him you know there's there's just those things as a child you always want that father figure in your life eh? so I would have a bunch of questions for him you know, like, why would you do this? Why would you do that? Like, why would you hurt yourself? Why would you leave behind five boys that were yours? You know, right. the, all those kind of questions that I would have un, unanswered. But the light of it, you know, that's why I call my father my father. And then I call my stepdad my dad. Because in my view, a father is just a person that brought you into this world or whatever. But a dad is a person that's man enough to take care of you. Mm -hmm. you know for my stepdad to take care of five boys who weren't even his Mm -hmm. like yeah because we're so big on bloody and all that and him for him to take us and to raise us to be men i'm like
1: wow good man yeah Yeah, Yeah. and there were some powerful moments that led up to that like i know like throughout the story there's some pretty like Cool, like spiritual yeah. things and voices yeah. that were happening, not only to you <laughs> yeah, but yeah. even to your dad. Like yeah. I think the the one thing, where, like your I think right when he first saw your mom or yeah. something, of there was like a voice yeah. deep yeah. within him that was like, "That's the woman yeah. that you're gonna you're gonna marry or whatever." Yeah. Yeah. And then it even said something about you're going to be taking care of like these five yeah. boys and you yeah. had like this spiritual, like the, the creator, God, whatever you yeah. want to call yeah. it <laughs> yeah. kind of speaking to him. And I'm like, Oh, that I would, <laughs> I would almost love if that happened more yeah. because I feel like that gives you good clarity. Yeah. I feel yeah. like humans struggle with like knowing yeah. some myth, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And like sometimes if it's like this deep voice, Within you, you're like, oh, that must be a sign of something. Yeah. I got to yeah. go in this direction. So, yeah, it was really, really powerful hearing you talk about some of the voices that compelled you to go in a particular direction.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing. You know, that's, that's why I just love my indigenous spirituality because we live in a day and age where everything is science. Like people need to feel things, hear things, see things. That's what I love yeah. about ceremony because all that happens all that happens eh? like it's you can't really measure it i guess Mm -hmm. but but it happens and that's why i'm doing everything that i'm doing because those things that i saw that i felt that i heard even other army people that i bring to ceremony even other police officers that i bring to ceremony you know they said at the end of the day john i can't explain what i saw but i know what happened and i know it's real Mm -hmm. and i'm just like yes that that's i like about it Mm -hmm. you know it's not. You know, it just directly happens to you and all these experiences are yours to keep to yourself. It doesn't need to be
1: proven scientifically and shown on a graph. It's like if you felt it and it's real, it's real. Yeah, it's just
2: like when I invited my other police buddy over, um, I was just like, okay, we're going to put together this lodge. Just so you see, there's like no bells and whistles. Because when I first got started, like I really got started when I was like a teenager. Because I kind of went away from it a while and went back to it. You know, I was like, there's got to be speakers. There's got to be something going on here. Eh? That's mm-hmm. what I always thought because of my mind. Eh? But then once I started to put up these lodges myself, once I started to do everything myself, I'm like, hmm, no, this isn't a game. No, this isn't a game. This is this mm-hmm. is for real. And it kind of went back to what I said before. Eh? Like people are you're like, oh, talking to the devil. But I'm like, what kind of devil tells you to live a good life, to be faithful to your wife, you know, to quit drinking, you know, to, and, they, and they guided me to become a police officer like all these good things that they helped me do. I'm like, well, that's the devil. Then
1: you know, he sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But, and, but there, there were some, yeah. you know, there were some dark voices in there too that I, yeah. you know, I don't know if you mind talking about it, but I, I know there was a few, few moments where you would hear these just terrifying voices in your head saying like, you know, cut yourself, mm-hmm. drive in the meridian, kill yeah. yourself. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you were, battling that a lot and one of the things that your Cookham said to you that I loved that she was like you know she said that you had a gift and that you, had, yeah. you had light inside of you and that a lot of the times if if a, a person has that kind of light yeah whatever that darkness is tries to get them to stop slow yeah. down or kill themselves yeah. and so like you had kind of this back and forth like yeah. angel and, and the devil on your <laughs> shoulder almost
2: yeah it was like there's like a, oh speak about some things that are in the book because I had so many stories to talk about eh and that's what my view is every indigenous person has a gift it can be to make a person laugh it could be to make a person smile it could be the gift of talking gift of singing you know and mine I'm still finding out what it is you know but it's things will try and slow you down and once again I'm gonna start getting into like a real real far um, it, everything always happened to me when i was growing up and uh you know this one that caught my mind was when i was i went to go sleep over with my buddy and he lived just outside of yorkton his name was kyle and he had a farm it was an old school farm it still had a fireplace in it and that's how they had their heat and his dad was like a old school farmer as well he had a bunch of cattle and stuff and i remember taking the bus to his house and we we're playing perfect dark we we're playing uh we we're playing perfect dark we we're playing super smash brothers And I remember playing Perfect Dark all night, and my buddy just lost his mother, just lost, like freshly lost his mother, like within the past month. And I remember waking up, cause we're sleeping upstairs, and his dad was drinking a lot, cause I'm guessing from the loss. And uh, before the night started, I, I remember he brought in this little calf, and he like, boof, he put it on the ground. He's like, get that fire going, this calf's gonna pass away. (laughs) Remember that word? Rubbing this little cafe, trying to bring it back to life, and then it came back to life. Whatever, and then he went back outside, went back to playing perfect dark, and then we fell asleep. And like he was probably from here to that to that couch there. I was on a different bed, and then there was an archway there that led downstairs, and this person came in a trench coat and a huge like he he looked like the Undertaker from oh, I like I like the that. old school. So this is like in grade seven, grade six, and he came in there and I was just, I thought it was his dad, you know, just like put the covers up and I thought his dad was like being creepy, eh? but he was like tall and his dad wasn't as tall as this dude. And then I just remember putting my blanket back down and praying. And then when I opened my eyes, he was right beside me this time, and he was looking right down at me, and I, was, and I couldn't move from there, and I was just praying. Then my buddy wakes up at the exact same moment, and he just gets up straight up, and he's like, Mom, 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 and he's just crying, and then me, I'm just trying to pray, and I finally just said to myself, there's a greater part in you, and he's here with me right now, and then gone. Then I looked over at Kyle, and he's just, Mom, 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 and I, and I went over to him, and I hugged him, and I said, it's okay, man, it's okay. And and then he's like, sorry, sorry, John, sorry, sorry. I was just having a dream about my mom, and I was like, it's okay, you know. And then I went downstairs because I still saw the light on, so that's how I saw him because the, cause the light was still on in the basement. And I go downstairs, and his dad's having a drink with his whiskey and his little shots here, and he was in those old school pajamas, like those red ones with the little nice butt piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> then I was <laughs> like, I was like, were you just upstairs? He's like, huh? And he was drunk, and and he's like. Is there somebody upstairs? And he grabs shotgun, <laughs> eh? And I was like, Yeah, there was somebody just upstairs, And then he comes upstairs and he turns on all the lights and he's, and then he goes outside and it was raining and he gets going like he comes back, and there's nothing. There's nobody.
1: Wow.
2: And then, uh and then after that, just things kept happening after that eh? But I found out that thing was attracted to my buddy's emotions, eh? Mm. And things would just compound over and over, and, you know. And I would just wonder why is this happening to me? Why is it happening to me? Because I would talk to another buddy of mine, and he's like, You know, John, that's that's all in your head, kind of thing. Eh? And and me, I'm like, How come he can sleep like a baby at night? And then there's me going through all this stuff,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, like horrible things. Like I kind of go into some in the book where they're like grabbing on to me, and yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's. Lots of stories in there of everything the snake they really want. Oh yeah, yeah like scary. like I kept a person out of that book that I that was there when that happened. And like that one was just surreal. But if you get deep into it and you speak to our old people, there's a reason why indigenous youth have the highest suicide rate in mm-hmm. all of Canada. Like we're the highest. And as you get deeper into it, all these old people gather just outside of Saskatoon you're at that cultural centre. And they talk about these spiritual things, like this dark one goes out and collects people's lives, all, all of our young people's lives. Yeah. Eh? you know, it's just it what? just kind of gets. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard <laughs> to talk. About. Do you do yeah. you still
0: deal with that kind of stuff? Like, do you still feel or see these spirits or? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm much stronger now, and my wife is like hundred times stronger than me. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: so so when I met my wife, like her, she comes from. Uh, t- um, a christian background i guess her her my father-in-law is a is a pastor and we recently just lost him last week mm, it's but like she grew up that way eh? and she went to powell's and round dances but she had no idea there was all these other ceremonies eh? so when i met her it's so crazy and i even talk about it in the book there like after that snake incident there i I, uh, I was like, creator, I said, can you send me a woman that will follow the same route as me? I'm tired of trying to find people who are not no, fakes, I guess. And I said, I want a person who will stand beside me no matter what. So I remember going to get a, no, my brother had a pouch of tobacco in his car. And I did a little ceremony that I kind of teach young people how to do in there. And it was just by uh, Duck Lake. It was by the Lady of Lords statue there. And, and uh, I just remember cruising on the road. And I put that tobacco down. Eh? And then my two brothers were in a car playing music. And then I just remember seeing this eagle like a, like a couple trees over as I was done. Eh? And I was like, oh, can you carry my prayer up? to your earliest convenience. Like I was just kind of being sarcastic. Eh? And then eh, eh, and then my brother said, you see that? John? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we went down to Regina Powell because my buddy wanted me to watch him dance. And I didn't go to Powell's too much because there was a lot of alcohol with them. Um, especially in the big cities. So then I went down there and and the very same day that I put out tobacco was the day I met my wife. I don't know. It's really <laughs> yeah, cool. Did you yeah. know right away that there was something special about this girl? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I always try to show people pictures of her. I'm like, even yesterday when I posted online, I'm like, how, how can a girl like this fall in love with me? <laughs> That's always the guy's perspective, hey? is yeah, like, yeah. 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 How do you put up with it? Baby? Right. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Like, there's my wife right there. Yeah. Oh, she's beautiful. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Good man. Good you. So, <laughs> so, so I met her like that same day, and you know I shook her hand, and I know people will say love at first sight, but me, it's obviously you know when I met her, I was just like, hey, my name's John. You know, like. And then I found her later on and through Bebo and like go to this old s- social media stuff. It was like Facebook, but MySpace was just starting to die. But then there was Bebo and people around Prince Albert kind of used Bebo more. Mm. So then I found her and then I just, I was very persistent. I would just call, 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 call. <laughs> and, she, and, and she told me, it's like, I would look at the phone and I would see her number and she was like, no, <laughs> she's trying to stay strong, fighting <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, but she models herself off of her mother, who's only been with one man, mm-hmm. and she also mod- models herself off her grandmother, who who stayed with one man. Wow, can't say the same for myself. But, but, but <laughs> that's but, a rare
1: thing these days, man. Yeah, super yeah, rare. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So
2: she went through everything that I went through, but in a compact amount of time, because she kind of had to play catch up with me. Because we went to a ceremony and I go into it and there too, like like my wife, I was so afraid that I would scare her away with my experiences I had at night. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this girl's going to run away from me as this, this soon as she sees a snake or a person, you know. And the first time it happened, you know, like she, she's she was much stronger than myself. Wow. Like, mind you, it was scary. But we want to go handle it right away. But she got told. She's like, "You are going to help the young females in the future. You and are talking to me. You are going to help the the young young males in the future. You're going through these things because you have to live it to understand mm. it. You can't mm. you can't just be like oh, no. theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so would she see or experience these mm-hmm.
0: things with you, or just yeah. see you
2: reacting to it? No, she would see them really? with wow. me. Yeah. Wow. And then like now which I'm getting deep again too, but like uh, like me and my wife can see 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 things. Like it's not like what you think like where you all see a person. It's just like little little sparks kinda like sparking. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like like we'll see pink, blue, yellow, white. And they're mainly in her house or if if I'm talking to a person that's like really gifted, then I'll see like psh, 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 psh. even when I was doing my polygraph, like with the police. I would see things underneath it because I was so worried about the polygraph and the application eh? and and when I went in the lodge they said don't worry we're gonna be standing beside you the whole time and I was like okay and then I asked again eh? and they're like we told you we would help you why are you asking again so then when I did the polygraph I saw those little things there and of course I can't lie eh? and he's like hey, what are you looking at and I- <laughs> <laughs> so add the spirit sp- world. Are they <laughs> called like apparitions, or is that different? Uh just just called like spirits, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, w- sorry to interrupt. When you when you hear like voices, for example, mm-hmm. is it like is it like a real voice in your head that you hear? Like, is it like a male or female, or does it depend, or, or like or is it just more of a feeling?
2: oh uh, like when you go to ceremony and stuff, you like you hear it, and like yo, it, it kind of sounds like a person's talking. Underneath the flooring, like it's like, Jesus. and then there'll be when you go to ceremonies, sometimes they'll come in the walls and you'll just hear them talking oh, like I can't explain yeah, too much, yeah. but but yeah, no, it's uh, and then for for myself, like even another fresh story here's some more fresh stuff. So, <laughs> three days ago, I found out I'm going to Iraq, so I'm going to Iraq next March oh, to November. Wow. But I was going through a bunch of stress at work, life, whatever. You know. And then, uh, then as I was getting ready in my car, I was warming it up. And then all of a sudden I heard drums playing, eh? Like, and I had two drums in the back of my car, which they're still there. And all of a I heard dook doo doo dook doo doo like half a ceremony song sounds. And then I heard, I heard people singing, and I'm just like, what the heck? No way, because it was like five in the morning, And I was like, I turned off my car, and I was like, and I still heard it then, and I was like, hmm. And I tried to think, uh, I was like, maybe it's a neighbor waking up early, you know, like just try to reason with myself, eh? And then I got a little tingles and I was just like, hmm. that's the day I found out that I was going overseas, eh? Mm. And then the day before, there was an owl, like, trapped in my attic part. Like, you know, when when they can get in, I woke up and I I heard, whoo, (laughs) whoo. I was was like, love, do you hear that? The author's like called my wife, eh? She's like, the heck is that? (laughs) Like, she woke up right away. I was like, that's an owl. Ooh, and then uh, then by the time I, I went to go to work, it was on top of the roof, and then it went to this big tree I have, and I was like, hmm, cool. You know? <laughs> and then I just went to work. But it's almost like an omen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because owls are always, like, growing up, it was like, if it flies towards you, and there's a family member that's going to die. You know, so when I told when I told my mom, I was like, "Yeah, that's a bad sign." But then when I talked to my and Margaret, she's like, "People forget that owls also own the night; that's their time as well. Don't always think of it as bad." And then even with my other teacher, Darius, she's like, "No, don't, don't, don't think bad about it too much." She's like, "It's
1: not, it's their time as well." I'm like, "Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true." Yeah. How do you like, like with your culture? How do you view animals? Like, are they are? Do you are you always like kind of looking? For, for signs or guidance through them
2: yeah yeah like um growing up when i used to see coyotes all the time on the road like on highway and stuff i'd be speeding or whatever <laughs> and then growing up i thought they said they were crime watchers but i misheard it It was time watchers so oh. whatever you're doing you're going the right pace like slow down like whatever you're doing you're gonna get there at the right time when you see eagles they're the ones that carry up prayers and they fly to highest and they go to highest right next to the crater bears they know exactly where all the medicines are so that's why they they're the ones who kind of keep the medicines all they always do is use their claws and they know exactly what to mm-hmm. do uh and then there's like there's buffalo like it's like the inner language i was like this it translates to like prairie cow, eh? but <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh like they're strong they're just strong and they keep that north wind from us mm-hmm. to protect us there's lots there's lots there's lots like even thunderbirds like people think about those all the time and they're like mythical but they fly the highest and they sit right next to the creator, and they're like the police of the sky and they make sure that we get along down here like
1: Mm. i I could talk about it for so long (laughs) yeah i I got a i got a question for you you're talking about gifts and some of that that Mm -hmm. kind of dark energy will sometimes get you know younger indigenous kids to commit suicide or stop them or slow them down it seemed like you were showing some strong signs of like leadership early on. Like I think when it was I don't know if it was Kenora that you were in Kenora, Saskatchewan, <laughs> yeah. but you were especially given like your your childhood and your yeah. upbringing and some of the trauma you went through to show like leadership early on was pretty powerful. But there was like a story where you were I think it was like your first football practice or game where you got <laughs> flatlined and like almost <laughs> got knocked out. And you're yeah, like, oh, yeah. I love this sport. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when you so yeah, you might have been in Yorkton when you first played football. Mm-hmm. Then you went to Kenora. But the play, when you went to Kenora, there wasn't a football league there. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. went to the teacher, and I think you, like, wanted to mm-hmm. start it. And they are like, yeah. we'll figure it out then. And you're like, yeah. all right. Like, yeah. you got, like, a some pieces of paper and got yeah. a bunch of people to sign. You went to the nearest town to get some more people to sign. And you, like, kind of, like, formed a team. And then you yeah. guys did some, uh, um, like, fundraising. Yeah. And to this day... I believe that there's still a football program yeah. in there because wow. of you and, yeah. and whoever else is yeah. involved. So, like, where do you where do you think that leadership came from? Was that from you? Like, I I doubt it was from your father. Was that from your dad? Or my dad. Yeah, he was. Uh, he
2: went to residential school, you know, and he, he he's so strong of a guy, and he like you talk about nature versus nurture. He nurtured the heck out of me, mm-hmm. the heck out of me. Even when I went to university for my first year, to us the first year psychologist, he's like. He'd be a very interesting person to talk to, eh? And I was just (laughs) say. So with my dad, he went to residential school. He he became a logger right after, and then he joined the Canadian Army, and then he, then he uh, once he went back to welding, he got carpal tunnel on his wrist, and then he carried on even after that and became a social worker. Like he instilled that work ethic into me, eh? and you know just me doing that like i always had to constantly be doing stuff because it's sad but i experienced a lot of racism in my life and i always had to prove indigenous people were hard workers you know Mm -hmm. that's one thing i always try to prove so i was playing (coughs) football in meath park by prince albert northeast of prince albert and it was six man and that's when i fell in love with the sport and then when i went to kenora yeah i uh did that i put up the little 20 lines or whatever and then by the end of the day it was front and back filled and two people were laughing at me that you know I said, ah, it, the football program hasn't been here since the 1970s it's like well, can I at least see if there's an interest and after that like once I started to gain wheels and you know I had experience with air cadets with bingos and working fundraising mm-hmm. you know and that, and that's when the gym teacher got along with me and then all of a sudden we made lottery calendars and we had enough money to outfit 10 people at the beginning and we co-opted with Campsack because Campsack wasn't doing too good. So we co-opted with them and then we kept fundraising. Now to this day, they have like an announcer stand. They have a flat field and mm. it's like they have a junior and a senior team. And, you know, senior. just like,
1: like, there's just, and, and that's the stuff that I feel like can change the young people's lives like yeah. it seemed like sports was almost a really good focus for you yeah, yeah like to not go down maybe the path that some of your brothers took yeah, that were a little bit yeah. more involved in gangs at the yeah, time yeah, yeah like I feel like that football or like the, the cadets like mm-hmm. there were these things where there was like a group of people that had the the same purpose that you were trying to latch on to you knew that was like kind of your thing that was yeah. like I need to do this so I don't go there
2: yeah yeah like how
1: big of an impact were sports in your life and that team camaraderie and how important you think it's going to be for you to pass that down and and like, is that something you think about in some of these smaller reserves that maybe don't have those teams? Yeah. Um, like, are you, are you kind of pushing towards creating more teams for people to like help the youth or what are your views on that? That's
2: one chapter that kind of went that uh, kind of went away on my life. Like I always wanted to go back to coaching, you know, but I just started to drift away and being busy with every other thing there. But, you know, working with Kendall Netmaker, you see like created a clothing brand, he's he consults businesses and all that like you know, now that I think about it then now you might have created something you know, <laughs> you know? Mm. so so then I'll talk to him about that <clears throat> yeah. that's one thing I always want to get back into uh-huh. like I don't talk about it much but I was an amateur boxer for like five, six years
1: I noticed you had some hands when you came to train at the 6am <laughs> class I knew right away I'm like oh yeah you got training for sure that's awesome I <laughs> just
2: did that to stay occupied eh? yeah. like cause with the army at the time I was like okay gotta stay in shape you know, because I was like two hundred and fifty some pounds at the time. Damn! And then when I got into training and I was and I was getting ready for a fight, like I lost thirty two pounds in twenty eight days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I did. So, oh, so, so I did vegetable juicing. So I'm always careful because I said I did juicing, and people are like, Sir, "No vegetables." <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Say. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so so I did that for like a month, and then I just dropped a ton of weight, and, and then the real the. The real challenge was keeping it off, eh? So, mm. but I didn't want to talk about too much about boxing in there. It's just you know, it was good and right. it kept me busy because I quit drinking, and that's when I really said, Okay, I, I gotta be doing something, I gotta put this energy somewhere. And the boxing club was just like down the street, so I just kept nice. going back and forth, eh? And then that old man there, he's 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 back in Quebec now, but uh. He was a a Francophone and he he was trying to pass it on to me, eh? but I was like, coach, I said, I can't. I said, I only got like two fights and I don't, you taught me. I said, like, in order to have a good coach, you got to have fights. It's just like a sandwich. You got to have the meat in the middle. And if it's just two slices of bread and you got no fights to stay away from them. Mm. I said, he's like, yeah, it's very true. But, you know, I was like, because he hurt his shoulder from doing mitts too much. So then he had me take over for like half a year but I was just trying to keep people in shape until he got back, eh. Right. But then I end up finding myself
1: coaching people and little kids and it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it seems like a good like a uh, like a way to channel aggression in a mm-hmm. controlled manner and yeah. still learn some of the discipline, yeah. Yeah. you know. And, and it doesn't seem uh like it would cost as much as like football. Like sometimes like with these bigger sports teams there's a lot of stuff you need oh, yeah. like I feel yeah. like maybe in the smaller communities that don't have it, it'd be kind of cool to to get some kind of martial art program to help develop discipline yeah. and give them some kind of yeah uh, channel, you know.
2: Yeah, that's that's very true as well, cause. The, the program I went to was sponsored by the Sassoon Tribal Council mm-hmm. so you didn't have to pay for anything and d- up until you were 24 but even after that they said no John like it's still free for you wow because you're because you're constantly giving back so much and then I will volunteer my time and I will train these kids and then it got to the point where the try to close it down and then the kids would come constantly all the time and they'll call me on the phone john you have all these kids waiting for you i'm like sorry yes and they told me not to open it back up Mm -hmm. and you're like well we're just gonna keep waiting here and then i then i had to make a bunch of phone calls like "Like, these kids keep coming out right you know it's just just little things like that that i kind of think even you asking those questions i'm like yeah, you know, there's there's a lot I did, it, even as I reconnected with high school people from Kenora and all over the place. They're like, John, do you remember doing this? Like, you were a photographer, you did? I was like, no. <laughs> like, uh, there's other things that I did I do, that I don't even remember because I was constantly
1: doing things right. just to prove that indigenous people were... Good people as Right, because well. you, you mentioned that, like, yeah. the, the idea is that a lot of indigenous people are, like, alcoholics and lazy. and yeah. And so, yeah. you were really kind of fighting tooth and nail yeah, to prove yeah. that you were not yeah. that.
2: Yeah. So, that's what I kept trying to do. Like, it was sad, but that's what I always tried to do all the time, mm. you know. And even, even when it comes to growing up my hair, people, like, I want to grow up my hair. And both jobs would 120% support it. Yeah. But my wife super smart. She's just like, do you want to do it because that's how you want people to perceive you? Or are you doing it because you want to do it? And then I'll just say, you're right. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do it when I'm ready. Because my boy has long hair, my wife does, my daughter does. Right. And then
1: my son's starting to ask me,
2: Dad, how come you don't grow out your hair? Because you gotta
1: you don't wanna go through that bullshit phase where like that's what I'm doing right here. Yeah. This is long, but yeah. this bullshit drives me crazy. I gotta yeah. I can finally tuck it behind my ears. Yeah, man. it's like there's a yeah. little phase where Travis just does this and just looks like shit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you ever play hockey or no?
1: No. Okay. Uh,
2: so I'm I'm glad you asked that question because people even assumed You know, oh, he's native, he's good at coffee. No, he's good at hockey, eh? So Mm -hmm. my dad, when he went to residential school, um, there's a movie that's out. uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Indian Horse. It's also a book, too. And I watched it in theaters. And my dad would always tell me stories like, this is what happened to me, you know? And I'm like, "Uh, when you're young, you kind of don't want to hear it, eh? But my dad, I guess, he, he went home for the summertime, no, he went home for Christmas time, and he got a hockey stick for Christmas. And he had a and he had a hockey program at that residential school, but you had to have good marks, and you know, and you had to be a certain age to play. But my dad wanted to play hockey, so he, he kept practicing all the time. And and then uh, he got told like you can't because your marks aren't good. And then he ended up getting beat black and blue with that hockey stick from a priest day, eh? yeah. And he he said, "That's the last day that I let a man ever hurt me." And that's when he went off to become a logger, right? and he wow. "So, so, so, he left pretty early." But growing up, he would always be like, "Oh, hockey is for," and he would use like a homophobic slur, and and then he like I would always ask him to play hockey, and like, no, no, he's like, "Hockey is for you know he wow. And you know I always try to understand that, and it was until this movie came out, and I was just like, "Now I get it." Now I get it. You so know? he was traumatized. Yeah. He was traumatized, like horribly. Right. Hmm. Like he just, he did not like hockey with a passion. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 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 And so then once we went into football, it's was like, oh, yeah, pay for his mouth guard and cleats. Right. right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, have the yeah. same association. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So when you, you said you're heading overseas next year, do you know how long you're going for? Nine months. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what's, what's that like? Like, I know you probably feel it's your duty, but like relationship wise with
2: your wife is obviously that's going to be hard hey? yeah yeah because you know after i talked to a psychic i was just like oh no you know like there's something wrong with my marriage no no there was nothing wrong like my wife once again put me in check she's like when i met you she said you're a hard worker even my native name uh, wapastin which means i'm a hard worker and mm-hmm. everything that i do she's like when i met you you were a hard worker and i'm never gonna try and change you that's just how you are that's just your mannerism and even with my video games, she's like, when I met you, you played video games. I'm not going to try and change you. She's so like, she lets me play, she motivates me to play video games. She mm. motivates me to work out, motivates me to do a good job. Like everything that you want a good wife to be, mm. she stands beside me because I support her in everything that she does. She supports me in everything that I do. Now, when it came to this, when I give her the, the news, you know, she's like, you know, I'm so used to it, John, just being an army wife, you know, like i'll go away for training for two months three months you know and she's just used to being at home alone like that eh Mm -hmm. which is kind of sad but you know she's used to that right and even with this she was just you know i'll be here waiting for you you know (laughs) that's powerful man
0: it's like she knows you she
2: loves (laughs) you for who you are
1: she's not going
0: to try to change you yeah she knows you got her and that's that Yeah, yeah yeah
1: especially like there's enough stress to deal with when you go overseas i'm sure yeah the last thing you want to do is worry about your marriage, you know, whether or not yeah. that person's going to leave. So it's probably nice to have that rock, eh? Right. Yeah, yeah,
2: because we just joke with each other. Because right? Right. <laughs> there's just uh, uh, this is more deep stuff in our army, and I I can talk about this, but like uh, as as I was coming up through the ranks and all that, too, eh? Like I'll I'll go to Wainwright, which is in Alberta, and I'll go and train. I'll go do taskings over there, and uh, I guess what would happen is um, one. Men would deploy. Usually, their wives would put out like a, like a box of Tide in the front window, and that usually meant you know like people could come and do stuff. So, so my wife, she's like, first thing I'm gonna do is get a box of Tide and put it on the front window. But she was joking with me though, you know. We were talking about time, eh? Oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. So then my. uh so then my so I was joking with my kids. I was like, "If you guys see a box, of Tad, you let Dad know right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <we're> just, <laughs> but we just make jokes though. So, but yeah, uh, but I know like my wife. She's yeah. Like we're gonna we're gonna be together for a long time. Yeah, that's uh, I love yeah. that
1: you have a sense of humor with all this too. Like it's. Uh, I remember <laughs> hearing uh, someone that they were going to Peru to see like a shaman and do like a I yeah. think it was like a heavy psychedelic like it was like a spiritual practice yeah, yeah. To, with their indigenous people ayahuasca, ayahuasca. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they were yeah. they were going to do that and they they met they met like almost frauds and they could tell mm-hmm. right away because they were very serious and they almost yeah, looked yeah. monkish but yeah. they wouldn't laugh there was yeah, no yeah. humor but then their next experience was the opposite they were a little bit more like you or yeah. they had this deep wisdom, but they weren't afraid to laugh. Like they would goof yeah. around. Yeah. They just seem like real people. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool that you, you have that and you're not just like, yeah, I think some people take the spiritual part and just make it too serious. And then it yeah. almost pushes people away. You're mm. like, this doesn't look very fun. Like you yeah. seem miserable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That That's, that's exactly what it is. Is finding people who laugh. You'll know you're in the right place when people are joking with you, mm. when people are laughing. So that's me, since I had no grandparents, since I, I had my cook and Margaret, who adopted me as her grandchild. But, uh, like, I just didn't have that A. Eh? Like, I didn't have those grandparents. I didn't have that father. My dad came and took that home and nurtured the heck out of me. And he was very spiritual as well, and he taught me as much as he could. But he was dealing with all those traumas from residential school. So he ended up getting addicted to uh, And what I was talking to you guys about before, Mm -hmm. eh? And that's how I lost him, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's more people that I lost in my family with drugs Mm -hmm. and, you know, even when I was talking to that psychic, he was like, you thought about changing careers, haven't you? Because I I wanted to become an Air Force and Don't. He said, that job needs you more than you think you need them because you live that life. You understand how it is to be an indigenous person, you know? And I can kind of segue into another call that I went to and... You know, I was asking permission from this person to gain entry into their house to uh, remove some people. She had no furniture, eh? I went to her house, eh, and I had a seat there. And once I started talking to her, she's like, you native? I was like, yeah, where are you from? And I said, Kiskus. Oh, and then she told me where she was from, eh? And I was like, oh, and then she's like, sorry, I don't have any, I said, hey, I've been there before. I said, there's times I didn't have furniture growing up. I said, don't worry about it at all. She's like, and then she's really comfortable with me. And then I kind of spoke to her and, you know, just breaking the ice, Mm -hmm. using the language or using, you know, stories of my upbringing and all that, you know, just really, really changes things. Even with my partner, you know, he's, he's like, John, like, like half those calls, if you weren't there, like it would have went a totally different way. Mm -hmm. Even this other girl, she was suicidal. And I just, we kept coming back, kept coming back. And I, and I was junior and I was like do you mind if I talk to her and I spoke to her for about half an hour in the back and I went into all the dark stuff like how how this thing is wants to hurt us and and I spoke to her parents are, are you guys traditional do you mind if I have a talk with her They're like by all means yeah so I talked to her I was like if you get a native name it's kind of like getting baptized eh? so so then you have a person who looks after you eh? so that's let's do that and I said go to a ceremony and I talked to her about half an hour just with my story. Then we went back inside and then I spoke to the parents and I said, um, do you guys have an old person you can go to? First Oh, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. She wants to get a native name. And she's like, yeah. Like she she told her parents, I, I want to get my native name. Hmm. Fast forward a year and then I go there for for a different incident. And she's like, you. And they looked at me and hmm. like, you're that officer that came here, eh? And I was like, yeah. She's sleeping right now because I was there like, three in the morning but that girl she has become a cultural advocate in her school she helps people who are going through things it's all because of you and i said no i said it's not because of me i said i kind of just guided her in that way no if no 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 and i was Mm. just like you know but then as i left i was then i told him about the book that i am going to be releasing and i'm gonna look for it and then as I left, I cruised around the corner and I was just smiling. like really yeah, huge. I was yeah, like, that's, that's what matters to that's me. That's what it's about, right? <laughs> yeah. When we yeah. talk about that, like going the extra mile with your
0: job or like bringing more to the environment than is required. And yeah. it's cool when you can go for like a police call yeah. and basically act as like a psychologist and yeah. really help people, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like that's
2: badass. That's what I tell people is like, hey, you know, I'm here dealing with an axe wound and I'm putting a Band-Aid on it. You know, I said, so I'm, I'm only here for X amount of time. I said, even this other girl that I dealt with, she was very, very suicidal. And I spoke with her and, and I gave her one piece of information because she was from my reserve, but we weren't related or anything. But I said, you're from Bear Clan, right? I said, and she was, huh? I said, yeah, if, who's your parents? And she told me, I said, you're from Bear Clan. You're from Treaty 4 territory. You're from Bear Clan. And we're supposed to look out for each other. Because she was just being a big pain in the behind, eh? But after I told her that, everything changed. She's right. just totally much better than that. And she was asking me more questions about Bear clan. She was asking me questions about
1: spirituality.
2: Totally calmed down from mm. there.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's that relatability. Yeah. like it, yeah. like yeah. I know you probably don't want to talk too much about this, but it, I would imagine if it was a white police officer, that conversation mm-hmm. wouldn't have been the same because they don't have that same kind of relatability where they... They might not be able to say bear clan and yeah main yeah. treaty and, and yeah
2: yeah no that's true too you know and other platoon mates say the same thing eh like because before i went to the job by which i'm still serving the army this is my 15th year with them and this is my fifth year with the police you know, they said, that's what we like about you, Jonas. you weren't afraid of who you were when you came to this job. Mm-hmm. Because I already went through that with the Army, trying to be like everybody else, trying to mm-hmm. be like the big monster soldier and all that. And i seen people come and go, and I and I just tell people, these new troops, do not pretend to be somebody you're not. Because you'll constantly try to hold up that image, and then you'll get yourself stressed out and try to be this Army person that, that you look up to, I said, but... In the end, just be yourself. And I went into the police with the same kind of mentality. Mm. I'm just gonna be myself. I'm a proud indigenous person, I'm a proud father, proud husband, carrying on ceremonies, and I'll do presentations with my son as well, and we'll come and do things, eh? And, you know, I always had that in the back of my mind, like, like even with the psychic there's, You feel like the token indigenous person, eh? I'm like, yeah. He said, but uh, he said, no. He, he said, "All that matters is it's for you. You're doing it because you know it's good for your people." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "That's true, yeah, yeah." And then, then my wife says the same thing: "Eh, doing it because I want to do it. I find myself in a platform where I can create as much change as I can. Right. So that's what I want to do." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Why do you think suicide is so high right now with like young indigenous people? It's having that it, exactly what I talked about before: that culture, that language, that spirituality, which all means identity. Where, where do you fit in this world? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what I see on the streets all the time is just people, people are lost. People were lost and they don't know who they are. Yeah. Even this one guy I talked to, he had a big canine bite on his leg and he was handcuffed to the hospital bed and I had a talk with him eh? and just talking to him. Cause my late brother, he was involved with gangs and all that. He's like, one piece of advice, Sean, speak to him like you are humans, have respect for them and they'll instantly recognize it and they'll treat you with respect. So that's what i did with this guy and i reverberated that and he's like he's right me he and spoke i started to talk to him about ceremony he's like bro he's like i just wish i could come with you you know i because we do it in jail for a little bit but then they release us and we don't know what to do once we get out here especially if we don't have those family ties to know what to do He's like you know i i know you're in a tough position being a being a cop you know and me coming to your ceremonies he said but he said, I honestly wish I could come with you. And I was like... I was like, well, here's where you can go. You can go to SICC. There's all these outers. You can go to Friendship Center. He's like, thanks, bro. And you know,
1: I always wonder how that guy's doing too, eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's like... um yeah, you, I think you said it in the book, but it was like when you're cooking, I think you went to, she was saying at the travel lodge and she really helped you in a yeah, dark place, yeah, and you were yeah. driving over there. I think that's when the voices were getting really oh, heavy, yeah, yeah, and yeah. She, she helped you, and um, I think at the end of it, you you she gave you, like, the little Adidas bag or something that you had <laughs> yeah, all your yeah, stuff yeah, in yeah, there, and, yeah. but then you, I think you said, like, it's a scary thing. Thought when so many people are struggling with that, but they don't have a cook 'em to help heal them. And so, like, I think for you to write this book is a powerful thing, and hopefully, a lot of people get their hands on it because at least they know that they're not alone. Yeah, I think that maybe is the scary thing if they're growing up and they don't have a cook 'em or older brothers to look after them or listen to them. Yeah, like sometimes you shared stories where. You would talk to, you know, whether it was your grandmother or your brothers yeah. where they would really listen to you. Yeah. But then there yeah. was other times you'd share a story where they're just they were kinda like you're full of shit. Like yeah. they yeah. Just didn't buy yeah. it and so you're yeah. like you feel lost and I'm sure there's so many people that just don't have anybody to to hear them. Yeah. 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 To yeah. actually listen. So yeah, it's cool that you had this book for people to actually feel like they're not alone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's
1: yeah, hit it right on the head
2: there. That's, that's just how it is. Even right now, eh? like, I'm the youngest of five.
1: Mm. But
2: it's just like, everything's backwards. Eh? I'm like the oldest. But it's backwards. And, you know, I always make this joke too. Like me, I got, like I had kids. Then I had an education, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, then I finally got married. and eh? mm. Then I got a job. We just do things all backwards. John. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, one thing I was going to ask, like there's obviously a lot of you know, PTSD involved with what you do for work and that sort of thing. Having, you know, PTSD as a child from all of that childhood trauma, does that like, I don't want to say like prime you for a job like that, but does it, does it help deal with, you know, traumatizing situations as a career? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like even with that compounded with my army training and all the stress I went through making decisions when you're really stressed out, it all helped with my job, eh? Like, when I first started, there was so much overdoses happening with fentanyl. You know, me, I just... Then I'll go do something, eh? Like, it's better not to be doing anything, eh? So then there's so many... All of our police officers, there's so much that goes on that they do so much good things and it's so unrecognized. They like bringing people back to life, but...
1: We all take the brunt of everything, yeah. yeah. It's a tough job, yeah. Either. Like, especially <laughs> now, like, I feel yeah. like, uh, yeah, police o- and we see it differently because we have so many police officers yeah. come through our gym and yeah. they just they seem amazing, they <laughs> seem <laughs> so awesome. And then you yeah. see these news articles or like someone making yeah. a blog or something, it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. ruthless yeah. with police officers, like, yeah. it never shows the light and the good that happens. It's yeah. always like the one bad incident and they'll just blow it up and then people yeah. you know, they'll be pretty quick to hate cops and yeah. talk bad about them
2: it, it's just like this one call where I went to this 90 year old widow and her husband just passed away and he owned like this shop by, you know, on the north end of Saskatoon and people kept breaking in and you know I could easily you know just took the report and left but you know I was like you know what I'm gonna help you out you know and then I'll get some pieces of wood and we'll be helping her Knock everything in, screw everything, just to make sure people don't break back in, eh? And then she, you know, when we're done, she's like, thank you, guys. She was just crying, and she was so grateful we're helping, eh? You know, just little things like that, you know, little stories where... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are just waiting for my next book, and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't even want to really want to write this
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, it, and it's interesting, man. Like, I'm a realtor, and there's there's great people in every industry, and there's yeah. some shitheads in every yeah, industry yeah. that don't yeah. look out for your best interest. Mm-hmm. And it's probably like that with, you know, police too, like so many amazing people. And then the oddball who maybe yeah, has yeah. E- ego problems. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's weird, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people, they'll see police cars drive by them or they'll see police officers and they start to feel anxiety mm-hmm. and they start to feel like scared almost mm-hmm. you know it, it's kind of a shame that it's that way but i think that's something that a lot of people deal with even if they're not doing anything wrong you know i still deal with it yeah <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah yeah
2: like when because growing up when i was indoctrinated a like cops duck you know and everyone's in the car you know and everyone's ducking like, what you're in your own cop car it? Ducking. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing eh? and then with my partner like like any opportunity i have to get out the car i'm like let's get out the car you know like -hmm. even when i broke my foot uh we were going up this incline like probably more probably like a 60 degree incline on some concrete and i didn't know my foot was broken and then i saw these two people i was like come down here and then they're like yeah yeah and then they're starting to come down and then my partner starts walking up like ah damn it started walking up but you know just just um (sighs) how we dealt with those people was so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So were you in the boot when you broke your foot for like six weeks or so? I have this dumb army mentality where pain, pain, like when I was on my um, primary leadership qualification, I rolled probably my ankles probably like 10 on each foot. And I kept rolling them like to the point where you're like, like people are like, man, you okay? I'm okay. You know, I just keep going. It's just kind of internalizing that pain. So when I Broke this. I just thought it was a spring ankle. That's all I thought it was. I I didn't know it was broken. I just kept walking on it, so that's why I didn't want no boat I didn't want to baby it. I didn't want to do anything like that. I broke my foot this year too. <laughs> yeah, it was the yeah, first yeah. bone I actually ever yeah, broke. Yeah, but, yeah. Um,
0: w- one last thing I wanted to ask mm-hmm. is like, I've noticed since I don't know if it's just me, but since the pandemic, especially like maybe you know spring twenty twenty, it seems like is Saskatoon getting worse as far as like. Crime, homelessness, people on drugs—yeah, just you know, especially downtown Saskatoon, you see a lot of just sketchier type of people
2: around. Yeah, 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 I don't know if that's changed or if that's it. It has changed. Like even when I speak to other officers who who weren't on the street, they're like, "Man, I feel sorry for you guys, you know, because you guys deal with so much. Like we're just constantly going call to call." You know, just the use of meth is so much, it's so cheap, you know, and it's, that's what we see is just meth, mm-hmm. alcohol, all these things. It's just, crime's always going to be there, but it just seems to constantly keep going up and, yeah, it's, because the city is growing, A eh? Like, yeah, it's growing yeah. so huge. So I'm even in some organizations where we're trying to be proactive and say, hey, like, so I'm in this little group where where in the future I'll be like, hey, I was a part of those kind of decisions where we're going to try and change policing. So Mm -hmm. it's about how can we better utilize our officers to cover this vast area because Saskatoon's grown so big. And even for the body worn cameras, I like volunteered my name right away for the pilot project. I was like, I want it, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you say body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh yeah. 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 So so those are going to be coming out soon, but it's, about finding one that can operate in minus 40 you know so so i i was so happy once i heard them come i was like sweet can't wait to get them you know then. Oh, yeah but it's it's not gonna be like the us as far as i understand i i can't speak too much on it but it's going to be good and i can't wait to do
1: it and yeah. you know but uh, awesome if iraq works out then i'll be going for next year then i'll come back yeah yeah so is that if, is that because i was going to ask like what's what's next for you like i know you wrote the book but it sounds like iraq is is pretty sure yeah. that that's going down yeah like uh first i thought i was in competition with a couple of other sergeants from across the brigade in western canada
2: and then i was sitting three days ago whatever and i said yeah you got spot i was like as in i'm still in competition with them no you're a guy you just have to do one prerequisite course we don't know where it is yet it's possibly in kingston and i was like okay okay and then i always figure out my position what i'm doing what exactly what i'm doing i can't speak on too much because it's kind of secret squirrely stuff as yeah. far as I understand but uh yeah it's
1: it's yeah, you guys are fucking crazy just <laughs> competing to see who goes to Iraq yeah
2: yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah it's not like the states where it's just like everybody go to Canada and like with the reserves it's like it's like no. a competition no shit. Yeah. and that's like an accomplishment like you're you want to be picked yeah. Like I yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and like you do want to be picked like the first impressions from other troops are like you lucky bastard oh, <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 you're doing the right thing sure. yeah
1: well we appreciate you coming on John yeah. It's, it's a yeah. pleasure yeah. to kind of get to know you in, in person. And I'm yeah. definitely going to finish the book. And, um, yeah, he gave us two books. I don't know if you saw that, but you yeah. have a book That's, yourself. Yeah. I'm definitely going to read that, man. So, yeah. so yeah. you have one and I have one. So we have one extra. So maybe we do a little giveaway That'd on, like, sweet. yeah, see if somebody, like, shares the podcast, do a little draw or something like sweet. that and hand one out. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I'm and thank it. you guys
2: for having me. And uh, uh, you can pick my book up on my uh, on my website at www.sparkandanddark.com. It comes up wrapped nicely, it comes with a business yeah, like card, that. it comes with a bookmark, I sign it, I wrap it up nice in brown paper and twine. Here, I'm just going to show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're going to try to spread this as much as we can, man. It yeah. sounds like you got a crazy story. So, so this is my wife's idea, so, she, so I have a little hmm. sticker up my face. It's <laughs> in a business card. In Love it. And then, uh, and then a bookmark. That's awesome. But it was my wife who did that. She's like, you got to put more into it. The you woman's know? touch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then uh, it's available at McNally. It's available at Indigo, at Chapters. It's available at some reserve gas stations in Regina and Saskatoon. It's available on Amazon. It's also nice. available on Audible as well. I did an audio book as well. Did you read it? I read was it. Was it your voice? Yeah, it was Good. my voice. I was gonna ask that. Yeah, makes <laughs> yeah. a big difference, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, so I got that done in a uh, in a professional studio. Everything I did about this book was all professional. It was, it's, it took a lot, and I put a lot
1: into it. And you will see it when you read it. It's, it took a lot. It's powerful. Yeah, like I said, I'm halfway through, and it was, it was tugging on the the emotional strings yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like this, again, this podcast just scratched the surface. Yeah. So anybody listening, definitely yeah. pick up the book and
2: it got it's being nominated it, uh, it's being nominated for Saskatchewan Book Award and for Whistler Whistler Award too oh no way so cool yeah it's, awesome. it's trying to gain some wheels and then That's if awesome. people want
0: to connect with you I see Facebook and Instagram
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so John Langen and then the real John Langen, because there's mm-hmm. a bunch of other John Langans <laughs> and I actually spoke to those John Langans once One's an Irish musician. One's like a college professor.
1: Okay, but yeah, <laughs> to try to get their Instagram handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, fight them for yeah. it. Put yeah. the dukes up. or cool. not? Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, awesome.